you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy chapter 14. You are sons of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourselves or make a bald spot on your head on behalf of the dead. For you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. You must not eat any detestable thing. These are the animals you may eat. Oxen, sheep, goats, deer, gazelles, roe deer, wild goats, ibexes, antelopes, and mountain sheep. You may eat any animal that has hooves divided in two and chews the cud. But among the ones that chew the cud or have divided hooves, you are not to eat these. Camels, hares, hyraxes. Though they chew the cud, they don't have hooves. They are unclean for you. And pigs, though they have hooves, they do not chew the cud. They are unclean for you. Do not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. You may eat everything from the water that has fins and scales, but you may not eat anything that does not have fins and scales. It is unclean for you. You may eat every clean bird, but these are the ones you may not eat. Eagles, bearded vultures, black vultures, the kites, any kind of falcon, every kind of raven, ostriches, short-eared owls, gulls, and any kind of hawk, little owls, long-eared owls, barn owls, eagle owls, ospreys, cormorants, storks, any kind of heron, hoopoes, and bats. All winged insects are unclean for you. They may not be eaten, but you may eat every clean flying creature. You are not to eat any carcass. You may give it to a resident alien within your city gates, and he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner. For you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. Do not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Each year you are to set aside a tenth of all the produce grown in your fields. You are to eat a tenth of your grain, new wine, and fresh oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to have his name dwell, so that you will always learn to fear the Lord your God. But if the distance is too great for you to carry it, since the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far away from you, and since the Lord your God has blessed you, then exchange it for silver, take the silver in your hand, and go to the place the Lord your God chooses. You may spend the silver on anything you want, cattle, sheep, goats, wine, beer, anything you desire. You are to feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice with your family. Do not neglect the Levite within your city gates, since he has no portion or inheritance among you. At the end of every three years, bring a tenth of all your produce for that year and store it within your city gates. 
Then the Levite, who has no portion or inheritance among you, the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow within your city gates, may come, eat, and be satisfied. And the Lord your God will bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Chapter 15. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how to cancel debt. Every creditor is to cancel what he has lent his neighbor. He is not to collect anything from his neighbor or brother because the Lord's release of debts has been proclaimed. You may collect something from a foreigner, but you must, not, but you must forgive whatever your brother owes you. There will be no poor among you, however, because the Lord is certain to bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. If only you obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow every one of these commands I'm giving to you today. When the Lord your God blesses you as he has promised, you will lend to many nations but not borrow. You will rule many nations, but they will not rule you. If there is a poor person among you, one of your brothers within any of your city gates in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Instead, you are to open your hand to him and freely loan him enough for whatever need he has. Be careful that there isn't this wicked thought in your heart. The seventh year, the year of canceling debts, is near, and you are stingy toward your poor brother and give him nothing. He will cry out to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty. Give to him, and don't have a stingy heart when you give. And because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you do. For there will never cease to be poor people in the land. That is why I'm commanding you, open your hand willingly to your poor and needy brother in your land. If your fellow Hebrew, a man or woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, you must set him free in the seventh year. When you set him free, do not send him away empty-handed. Give generously to him from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. You are to give him whatever the Lord your God has blessed you with. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command today. But if your slave says to you, I don't want to leave you, because he loves you and your family and is well off with you, take an awl and pierce through his ear into the door, and he will become your slave for life. Also, treat your female slave the same way. Do not regard it as a hardship when you set him free, because he has worked for you six years, worth twice the wages of a hired worker. Then the Lord your God will bless you, in everything you do. Consecrate to the Lord your God every firstborn male produced by your herd and flock. You are not to put the firstborn of your oxen to work or shear the firstborn of your flock. Each year, you and your family are to eat it before the Lord your God in the place the Lord chooses. But if there's a defect in the animal, if it is lame or blind or has any serious defect, you may not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Eat it within your city gates. Both the unclean person and the clean may eat it, as though it were a gazelle or deer. But you must not eat its blood. Pour it on the ground like water. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Okay, now as you read that or as you hear that, 
What do you zero in on? I know some different people get different things, but one of the things that is amazing to me is that in this, the opening verses there of chapter 14, some people zero right in on this prohibition against marking your skin, okay? That's, okay, God says we're not supposed to do that. God tells these people they are not to mark their skin or make a bald spot on themselves for the dead. In other words, as a means of remembrance for someone who has died. Okay, so does that apply to us today? Are we still bound by that? Well, I would say no in the same sense that we are not bound by the prohibition against eating catfish or bound by the prohibition against eating pork. We're not bound by these ceremonial laws or the dietary laws, and we don't operate to a great extent according to the civil laws that God gave this group of people with whom he had this special relationship. But folks, if that's what jumps out to you as you read those opening verses, I think you're reading them wrong. Let me urge you to look at the opening verses of chapter 14, and I'm going to read you the parts that I underlined. You are sons of the Lord your God. You are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Whoa! Did you hear that? You are children of God. God is your father. You've been brought into his family because he chose you and chose to make you his own. I'd say in light of that, if he doesn't want me to mark my skin or, you know, put a bald spot on my head, I'll just say in our culture, there are people who shave their heads, but most guys are not trying to make themselves bald, and hopefully most ladies aren't either. But when God says, I don't want you to do this, that ought to be like, no problem. Understand? And the reason it's no problem is because of the relationship with him. The motive to do this is a relationship of love. And so in the opening verses of this passage, the groundwork is established that the reason for everything that's going to follow is because of your relationship with God. You are sons of the Lord your God. You are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Okay, I'm good. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Do you really see God that way? Or are you trying to earn it? Are you trying to see if, you know, I just... The original lie from Satan was you can't believe what God says because God is trying to prevent you from becoming like him. That was the original lie. Oh, you won't die. God just knows that if you eat the fruit of that tree, you'll become like him, knowing good and evil. Oh, so God is against me? God's trying to block me? 
from being what I could be, from becoming like him? Even after we believed that lie and disobeyed God, God ended up providing salvation in Jesus Christ so that we could be not just reconciled to him, but we could become one with him. We could become one with him. And the whole goal of his Spirit's work in us is to make us like him. God's not trying to stop us from becoming like him. He wants us to be like him. And he was willing to provide the only way for that to happen. Through Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed for us. So then he begins to tell them about which foods to eat and which foods not to eat. You've got the list. We've already said Jesus comes along in the New Testament and says you're not bound by that. That was pointing to something. And now you're not bound by that any longer. The reason for all of this is found again in verse 21. You're not to eat any carcass. You may give it to a resident alien within your city gates and he may eat it. Or you may sell it to a foreigner. In other words, it's not that it's evil. But God says, for you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The reason you're to do this is so that, how how often do most of us eat? Eh, At least daily, okay? God wanted his people, every time they ate, to remember that they were not like the rest of the people on earth. Every time they ate, they were reminded that God had chosen them because he loves them and he has a special plan for them and they are to live in a way that reflects that relationship with him. God gave them all kinds of reminders in every area of life, the way that they farmed, the way they told time, the way they had their calendar. All these different things God put in place to remind them continually of a relationship that they had with him. That is why this is important. For you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. Then in chapter 14, verse 22 and following, God says, each year you're to set aside a tenth of all the produce grown in your fields. You're to eat a tenth of your grain, new wine, and fresh oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to have his name dwell, so that you will always learn to fear the Lord your God. Okay, there are 12 months in a year, right? And we're going to blow the whole 10% of it on a feast? I I don't think that seems like very good uh, practical stewardship. One thing that it cultivates is the idea that there's more than enough. I can use up 10% of my annual income on a feast. You have this annual meal, and God says, now look, if you live in a part of the country that is too far for you to transport all this abundance that I've blessed you with to the place that I'm going to show you, then you can sell it in the place where you live Convert it to silver and take the money and and go there and and buy 
stuff when you get to the place where you're supposed to have the feast. Well, what can we buy? Well, um, religious books and uh, little religious jewelry and um, perhaps religious bumper stickers and uh, things like that. Is that what it says? No, verse 26, you may spend the silver on anything you want. Cattle, sheep, goats, wine, beer, anything else you desire. You are to feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice with your family. Don't neglect the Levite. Do you get what God's saying? God says once a year, what I want you to do with 10% of your annual income is have a huge party in my presence, in the presence of Almighty God. God's not hungry. God's not saying, you know, and be sure to include some for me. He says, no, take care of each other. Take care of the priest because he doesn't have a farm. He doesn't inherit any land. So he needs to be cared for, so include him in this. But, but the idea is that you are to celebrate in the presence of God, and this is a holy thing. Eating a huge meal that costs a tenth of your annual income as a celebration of thanks to God, knowing where it all comes from, it all comes from Him, that's worship. That's worship. This idea that somehow we're supposed to wear hair shirts and sleep on a bed of nails, that's not biblical, okay? That's not what God calls his people to. He blesses us, and he wants us to know who to thank. Well, how can we thank you? Have a party. Okay, what's on the menu? Well, if you've converted your produce to silver, buy whatever you'd like. We didn't, we didn't get any sheep this year, but I really like lamb. Then buy some lamb. Really? Yeah. It says you can spend it on anything you want. Cattle, sheep, goats, wine, beer. In the Baptist church he read that. <laughs> or anything you desire. You are to feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice with your family. When we say, wow, isn't God good? Isn't it amazing? Look at what the Lord has done for us. All of this comes from him. That pleases the Lord. That pleases the Lord. At the end of every three years, bring a tenth of all your produce for the year and store it within your city gates. Now, by the way, this isn't instead of the other. This is something in addition. God says, here's another 10% that you're to bring and store within your city gates. And then the Levite, who has no portion or inheritance among you, the resident alien, who does, he's not a landowner, so he's not getting a bunch of stuff, the fatherless and the widow within your city gates may come, eat, and be satisfied. And the Lord, your God, will bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Whenever God asks you to give something, you can rest in the fact that he will provide. He'll provide everything you need in order to do what he's called you to do. And then at the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. That doesn't mean... When you've had a loan out for seven years, whatever's not paid off, you got to go. You may have only had the loan out for two years. It's a seven-year cycle. It's automatic. Now, if that's the case, there's going to be a temptation to not want to loan so much toward the end of that seven-year cycle. Okay? God says, don't do that. You loan according to what the need is. You don't loan according to how many more years in the cycle. Because okay? God owns everything. And our ability to earn comes from him. 
And so what we need to do is say, yes, sir, and do what he says. He says, don't be tight-fisted, be open-handed, okay? Be generous. Jesus in the New Testament puts it this way. He says, loan expecting nothing in return. Then whatever comes in, you know, is a blessing. How, well, how can we do that? Because God says, I'll prosper if you, if you do what I say. I'll provide for you. The ideal pictured here is that there will be no poor among you. Really? Yeah, and then it goes right on to say, now, if there is a poor person, here's what you're supposed to do. And then it goes right on to say, there will always be poor among you. Well, then why did it say there won't be any poor among you? Because it's describing the way that it would be if everybody did what we're supposed to. Well, if we all did, it would be great, wouldn't it? Since we all mess up, then there will always be problems. But how do we deal with those problems? Well, if there's a poor person among you, one of your brothers within any of your city gates, in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Instead, you're to open your hand to him and freely loan him enough for whatever he needs. Wow. Verse 10 of chapter 15. Because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you do. For there will never cease to be poor people in the land. That's why I'm commanding you, open your hand willingly to your poor and needy brother in your land. Now, please do notice there is a distinction made between how you treat those who are part of the family, part of Israel, and those who are outsiders. You're to be kind to the resident alien. You're to be kind to even foreigners who are in need. But it is not the same standard. For instance, debts from people outside the faith community God says, uh, you don't have to forgive those debts every seven years. Really? In that case, I think I'm going to say no to my brother, and I'm going to start loaning to people who aren't Jews. Okay? God says, no, no, no. You loan to your brother. But there is a difference in how people are treated, including regarding slavery. If your fellow Hebrew... A man or woman has sold you and serves you six years. You must set him free in the seventh year. And when you set him free, don't send him away empty-handed. Give generously to him from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. You're to give him whatever the Lord your God has blessed you with. That couldn't be more clear. Okay? Well, what should I give him? Well, what do you got? If God's blessed you with it, share. Remember, verse 15, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command today. But it's possible that your relationship with your slave will be such that the slave says, I don't want to leave. I don't want to be set free. I really like this relationship where basically you take care of me and I work for you. And God says, okay. If that decision is their decision, you don't have to send them away. You can enter into a covenant relationship with them, and they can remain, even a Hebrew can remain as your slave permanently. But they're to be treated as a member of the household. And then he talks about the firstborn animals. Now, this is one of many references to this, but God had told them at the Passover, from now on, the firstborn of all your flocks and herds 
are to be dedicated to me. And what do you do with the firstborn? Well, they're part of what you celebrate that feast with, okay? So, this morning as we prepare our hearts to come to the table, we need to realize that all these sacrifices, all this Old Testament worship, all the travel to Jerusalem, all of that was pointing to this. It was pointing to the fact that Jesus would offer up his life as the atoning sacrifice for us so that we could be part of God's family forever. That, dear brothers and sisters, is reason to rejoice. And it is reason to love one another. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.